0: This is Halftime Adjustments on WPXI Now.
1: Welcome into Halftime Adjustments. Albie Oxenrider is off this week, so I am Jenna Harner filling in. Joining me is the one and only Chris Carter from DKPittsburghSports.com, our partners. Chris, how are you doing? First off, happy Wednesday. I feel like we're making it through the week here. We're making it through the week.
0: We are. It's sunny outside. It's nice. I can like go jogging without my sweats on. This is this. I, I'm I'm loving it. And and tomorrow's my birthday. Like this is great right now. I'm loving it.
1: It is a big week for you ahead. Happy early birthday. The <laughs> weather you. is definitely showing up. We're very excited. Um, We have a lot to talk about today. I think the big story that everybody's been talking about that kind of came out late Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning, there was a TMZ article, a video was released Wide receiver Chase Claypool was involved in an alleged altercation. There's video of it. You can see Claypool not entirely partaking in the fight. There was some kicking action, um, things on those lines. I guess, first of all, just, you know, what was your initial reaction when you saw all of this? Because I think a lot of Steelers fans are, you know, kind of eyes wide open. It's like, oh, no, 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 this this isn't a fantastically great look, just given, obviously, the pandemic itself, let alone the potential ale- alleged involvement in this fight.
0: I mean, my first reaction, Jenna, was just you, you got to avoid those type of situations. Now, I do agree that there are a lot of people who I think are sensationalizing this and making this out to be something a lot bigger than than, than it has been. Um, but at the same time, Chase Claypool, you're seeing out in public, at, you know, outside of a, a restaurant bar establishment with no mask on during the pandemic in California where there's a mask mandate on. And, you know, you look at the video and initially it looks like he's just peeling people away from the pile that, that, that and the scrum that was going on. Uh, but then, and I think he would have been fine for that. But if it wasn't for the, you know, at one point you see him and it's kind of blurry. The video wasn't that clear, but you do see him clearly kick somebody either in the face, neck, or upper body area. And... And that's when he backs away and then it seems so now that's, you know, that's battery, you know, if someone wants to press charges. Now, a few things that so far have worked out for Claypool one, nobody's pressed charges to everyone was gone by the time the police got there. So this could have exploded into something much worse, but it wasn't. There. But still, as a young NFL player, I believe he's 21, 22 years old. You gotta know that you're a target when you're out there for anybody who knows who you are. They know they can either make money off of you, get you know, get publicity off of you. And when you're there, you have to pull away from those types of scenes. That's the bottom line for Chase Claypool. Now, does this make him the worst human being in the NFL? No. Does this mean that the Steelers are out of control? Absolutely not. I mean, you look at the situation with Tyree Kill and the Chiefs and how they've been to two straight Super Bowls and won one, and the things that he's he's been involved in are much worse than this. But Still, that does not excuse what Chase Claypool did. And it does mean this young man has to get his head on his shoulders straight and avoid these type of scenarios.
1: Yeah, and it's just in such a prevalent world right now, we're in where everybody has a phone. You can take out a phone, you can videotape everything. It's one of those things that as a player, you almost need to have a little bit more of like a heightened sense of, okay, this is a situation. Hey, I might need to get out of this. you know. And again, a lot of the reports coming out from what TMZ was saying was that he was not an instigator he kind of jumped in to as it looked like again everybody kind of can make their own opinion on what they're seeing that's what we've seen a lot of on Twitter today but um, you can see him just kind of like go in to peel people off and say you know kind of attempt to break it up a little bit there's a lot of speculation of course but it just was kind of one of those things where again it just it's not the best look especially especially right now yeah. with the situation hey we're still in a global pandemic and you know leaving a bar without a mask i think would just that alone could be a story i think people would kind of you know take to a little bit
0: And that's the other thing is how delicate these type of situations are, Jenna, because like you said, in the early part of the video, when they point out where Claypool is, he's not doing anything wrong. He's like he's saying, hey, move away, move away. He's pushing people out, you know, to to, it looks like he's breaking up the fight. But in that one moment, and that's all it takes—is one moment for TMZ or whoever to take a video of you, put it on the internet, and then you're public enemy number one. In that one moment, who knows? The person might have said something offensive to him. The person he might have just snapped and lost. You get, but that's why you gotta remove yourself from those situations. You know, but you know, coaches often say only bad things happen late at night when you're when when you're out in those situations because. That's when you're going to run into you know people being drunk, people saying obscene things, and then maybe you getting pulled into it. Uh, you know, and that's the thing. If he doesn't kick the guy, this is probably like, oh, Chase Claypool was involved, but you don't really see anything. But now that one that one moment where he made that mistake, that's what's going to be the story here. And now the NFL could take legitimate action if they see that as something. The demon, who knows? They might they might punish him with a with a fine. They might give him a suspension because that is a you know a breaking in conduct policy. You know, but. I just I think it's important to, to remember, you know, for all athletes, like you said, in today's world with the technology available, you can be filmed at any point in time, even in your own home. I mean, you know, like Larry Thompson, the, the guy that was the, that was drafted by the Dolphins, uh, you know, he uh, you know, he was a guy that was filmed, you know, you know, wearing a gas mask, you know, smoking marijuana at one point in time. You've got to be careful to not do anything. That's going to get you in trouble because you know that again, when you're in the, especially when you're in NFL and NFL more so than most leagues, like we know faster about the NFL, like when Ari Burns drove, had a suspended license driving in Florida. We knew the morning of that, 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 was going on, you know, other sports, it may not happen and that may not be not fair, but you have to understand that comes with the profile that comes with the money and that comes with the lifestyle and you got to avoid those poor decisions.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And we, uh, we did reach out to the Steelers earlier today. They did not have any comment on the situation as pretty much was expected. Um, We are still waiting to hear back from the NFL. Is this something potentially, I don't want to make you entirely speculate here, but is this something that you could see a little bit of a suspension for from Claypool, moving online? Or is this something where the NFL might just be like, Hey, you know, give a little slap on the wrist. Like don't do this next time.
0: I mean, I could see it going both ways. You know, like we've seen videos like what Kareem Hunt kicked a woman in the face while she was down. Like that, this didn't seem as violent as that, but the NFL may say, hey, we're doing a no-tolerance policy thing. It's like, hey, you know, and they may see a suspension, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, a half-season suspension if that, maybe a game or two, maybe a hefty fine just to say, hey, this is a personal conduct policy. But they certainly will make a statement of it. The NFL is not going to uh, pass, the, pass up with this opportunity to make a statement and, uh, and show the word, hey, we take this type of thing seriously. I, but I don't think it's going to be as bad as where we've seen other violent situations in the NFL breakout.
1: Yeah, especially, again, during the pandemic. They just want to make sure, you know, again, they want their players to be setting good examples. Right. Just for the fact that, hey, wear a mask. Don't go to bars. Those types of things. Well, be sure to stick with us. We are going to take a quick break. But coming up in a little bit, we are talking about some free agency, including the departure of Steven Nelson and what that means for the team moving forward. Stick with us and welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. I'm Jenna Harner. He's Chris Carter. And Chris, it has been a wild. I don't even know if wild is the word. There's a lot of words that you can use to describe what this free agency period has been like for the Steelers. You could put a little bit of unexpected. You could put a little bit of not surprise. I think there's kind of a mix of everything here, but I think one of the biggest things is the departure of Stephen Nelson. I think that was a lot of people, their eyes widened a little bit and just kind of how the situation played out on Tuesday, you know, where we saw earlier in the week, the Steelers requesting his um, granting his request for a trade and then them looking into trade options. And then all of a sudden, you know, he was tweeting, you know, don't handcuff me. And then a couple hours later he was released. I mean, it's just, it's been, it's been a lot of, you know, movement here from him. A lot of things that we don't entirely see from a guy like Steven Nelson in the last, you know, 24, 48, 36 hours type thing.
0: Yeah, it, it, it was certainly out of left field how this all developed. I mean, last week when we saw the update of him saying that and then the signing of Juju, there was a lot of speculation as far as those being related. I think we've seen enough information They say that they, that they aren't. Uh, but as far as Steven Nelson, there's we haven't received much information as far as how this went down. But I have to think that part of the the, the reasoning here is the Steelers right now, as we saw with the with the restructuring of Eric Ebron's contract on or, you know on Wednesday morning, they're finding ways to open up cap space. And when you do that, that means you're gonna to need to talk to guys, hey, can you move some of your money into future years? And maybe part of what Steven Nelson was going through is like, hey, maybe because he's in his late 20 s, they said, hey, we'll offer you an extension. But he wants a higher extension. You know, Steven Nelson. You know, he's the he was the second paid uh, you know cornerback on the Steelers roster behind Joe Hayden. And maybe the Steelers said, "Hey, we'll keep you around for a few more years, but this is the money we're offering." Steven Nelson says, "Oh no, no, no! I want I want bigger money than that." And I I I have to think that that's where this came from. I don't think this is a matter of the Steelers saying, "Hey, just be gone. We don't want you here," because they know that he's talented enough. And again, you know, when you you go back even before. He, uh it was posted that the Steelers wanted to or you know gave him permission to seek a trade. He posted, you know, saying moment of truth, which tells me that he was preparing for that negotiation period. I just think it's one side had a number, the other side had a number, they didn't match up. And so the Steelers said, Well, if you don't want to restructure your contract or sign this extension that we're building here, we're giving you the option to find someone else who, who will help you there. And it didn't work out. And Honestly, the Steelers cutting Stephen Nelson helps them because now they're st- they can use that immediate $8.25 million cap hit that opens up from him, getting them over $10 million. And with uh, Ebron's restructuring, they have close to $14 million in cap space. Now they can use that on guys that are still on the market right now. And there's plenty of cornerbacks out there. A.J. Bouye, Casey Hayward, Richard Sherman. Now, not all of them are going to be affordable for the Steelers, but those are short-term uh, you know, options. They can say, hey, we're going to put you in. You're going to be our number two corner, and that'll work for this year. Uh, but if if they waited longer to get to maybe get a fifth or sixth-round pick or seventh-round pick for Steven Nelson, that, that, that value, I think, is overshadowed by who they can get right now with the money that they're opening up.
1: I was going to say, how detrimental is this to the Steelers defense losing a guy like Steven Nelson? Because I feel like I've kind of seen all spectrums on, you know, all responses on the spectrum on Twitter in terms of people completely reacting. One way, completely reacting. Another way, I guess, put this in a little bit of perspective. How big of a loss is this?
0: Well, I mean, there's there's certainly anxiety among Steelers fans right now because throughout most of the 2010s the Steelers did not have good cornerbacks they had they started to cycle between Antoine Blake and Artie Burns and you know William Gay at one point was the best guy they had and he was solid but it was really rough. They, they kept finding guys out that they could. You know, even the guys that they drafted, Keenan Lewis, ended up going to another team. Cortez Allen got hurt when they finally paid him. It's just been rough on rough on rough for them. And now finally, after years of going through that, they have a stable secondary with Minka Fitzpatrick at safety, Terrell Edmonds at strong safety, and then Hayden, Nelson, and Hilton, and Sutton. I mean, four legit cornerbacks that you're happy with. And now two of those guys are gone because Mike Hilton signed. Maybe the biggest snafu the Steelers made here was – not figuring out that Nelson was going to do this earlier in free agency. And maybe they could have said, hey, we'll keep Mike Hilton in the fold with the money there. But it, again, it's tough to predict how things are going to work out. This is a crazy cap year where, where it dropped, you know, what, $17 million from where it was last year. So the Steelers had a this is an unprecedented year where they had to go through different processes to get to where they where they are. As far as the secondary you know if Nelson isn't there, you're most likely asking Sutton to bump outside, and then you're you're trying to sign or draft a slot corner or you know a draft a corner that'll play either spot. But it's certainly a question mark. Now, again, the Steelers are nowhere near done in free agency, Jenna. They're freeing up money, they can still restructure Stephon to it. Chris Boswell doing all of that could lead to getting, you know, one of those corners I mentioned that says, Hey, you're coming in maybe on a one or two-year deal, and we just want you to cover and play this number two spot and work with Joe Hayden and everyone's gonna say oh wait a second that's kind of an upgrade o- o- on Stephen Nelson because he's a good corner but he was never a great or elite corner for the Steelers and they respect that but that's why they didn't want to offer him cornerback one money
1: I was gonna say do you kind of see them more attacking this in free agency obviously there is still time left I know everybody's like oh it's all done no no no, no. there's still there's a whole lot of time left but also do you see them Looking more in free agency as some of those guys you mentioned, or do you see them addressing this in the draft or are there bigger needs one side or the other here?
0: Well, I think that they would. It would behoove them to get this in free agency. Now, the draft has some interesting prospects who could fall to them. You know, J.C. Horn was just doing his uh, his pro day today, and man, he looked good. I mean, his 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 vertical jump, his broad jump, we're all like, whoa. You know, that guy's explosive, and he's a guy. You know, everyone's talking about Patrick Sertan and Caleb Farley. They'll be the first corners off the board, but you know, J.C. Horn, he might be available in twenty four. But here's the thing: you 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 get a guy to replace Steven Nelson. That puts you in a position where you don't got to draft that cornerback in the draft, and you can focus on the offensive line and running back. So I, I still think they go in free agency. There's plenty of corners available.
1: Well, from the NFL to the NBA, be sure to stick with us. Coming up after the break, we are talking about Justin Champenny and his decision to test the NBA draft process. Stick with us on halftime Adjustments. Welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. I'm Jenna Harner, joined by Chris Carter. And Chris, you are someone that covers pit basketball. You pretty much covered them throughout the whole season. You are our pit basketball insider and guru, as we like to call you. So we thank you for all of your areas of expertise and knowledge here. Um, But earlier this week, Justin Champagny, Released a statement saying, after talking it over with Coach Capel, my other coaches, my family, I've decided to test the NBA draft process. The feedback I will gain from meetings, workouts, and outside evaluations will help shape the final decision on whether to remain in the draft or return to the University of Pittsburgh for my junior season. This process will only help my development and allow me to be a better player at Pitt or in the NBA. I just, I guess I want your initial reaction here because... I think a lot of people forget that the NBA draft process for college players is a whole lot different than the NFL draft process.
0: A- absolutely, you know, like in in the NFL, you talk to you talk to an agent. You talk, whoop, oh, that's it. You you're you're in you're in the draft process. You're make, you're making those moves. But in the NBA, you know, testing the NBA waters does not mean I'm just going to the draft. It means exactly what Champagne said. There's workouts to do. There's phone calls to make. There's Zoom calls to make. You're talking to coaches. You're talking to scouts, saying, hey what is my value to all these different organizations uh, you know, out there in the NBA? And that's where Justin Champagne is going to be gauging things. Now, uh, I still think that there it's kind of 50-50 on whether or not he goes in or comes back. Now, here's my reasoning, Jenna: There is a big d- jump when you're a first-round pick and a second-round pick. Like, just last year, Desmond Bain was the 30th overall pick of the draft by the Gri- Grizzlies. He was the last pick in, in the in the first round. The very next person – Made three million, three million less dollars over over their first for their first uh, four years of a of a contract in the NBA. That's a big deal, and that's where Justin Champagne may be saying, "Hey, I'm a fringe NBA guy." Because so there's a lot of people that say he's. He's a he's a second round, a high second rounder or a mid second rounder. But there's very few who are saying, you know, back end of the first round type of guy, especially with the way that he ended his season. Jeddah during early the season, I saw the NBA scouts that were sitting there and and and, look, and looking at him during games, and especially there was like a, a, a five game stretch between uh, in January where he was just on fire, hitting three pointers, defending well, getting rebounds. He was just he was the only person who averaged a double double in the ACC, but the way that he ended the season with Clemson giving him a hard time at the end of the ACC season, and then Miami giving him a hard time in ACC conference uh, tournament, I see that that's something that says, like, hey, I got things to work on. I think if he comes back next year with two two things to work on, one, he has to develop a better outside shot. There's times where he's on fire with his three-pointer, but it was inconsistent. He shot around 31% from beyond the arc. If he can up that to, like, 35 37 I think teams start to say, hey, we can use this guy on the outside. But he also needs to develop better handles to create off the dribble instead of creating uh, in space by kind of the the setup of of a play. He does those two things. I think that raises his draft stock. And uh, Desmond Bain, the guy I was talking about, who's the 30th overall pick of the draft, he's a guy that did this very thing. He, in 2019, he went out, he said, I'm testing the NBA waters. He got word back, came back for another season, and then was drafted last year in the NBA draft. And again, that was without a March Madness tournament. Um, So Champagny would stand to improve his draft stock if he could come back, put a better year. And another thing to remember, Jenna, he was not a preseason All-ACC guy. He wasn't even an honorable mention. It was just kind of left out. People just thought, oh, he'll be decent. And then by the end of the season, he had the second most votes to be player of the conference. And uh, had the second most votes to make the, the first team. He did make the first team, the first ever pit player to make first team all ACC. I think that next year, Jenna, him coming back means everyone's all eyes are going to be on him from start to finish. And that'll give him the chance to say, hey, this is what I'm really about.
1: I was going to say, do you reasonably think that he does come back? Because this kind of seems to be trending and maybe I'm just reading it that way. But in the sense where, you know. When he leading up towards the end of the season, when he was asked in press conferences, you know, what his decision was going to be talking about playing his brother next year, because that's slated on the schedule. He mentioned his excitement about that. Realistically, do you see him coming back? I know you mentioned 50 50, but does it seem more likely than not that he will return to pit or is it really kind of up in the air?
0: I it's me. It's definitely up in the air, but I favor him coming back to pit because I think he want he sees the way how he ended this season. He wants to do better there. Also, towards the end of the season, once Champagne started to really work, Capel started to rework the offense to go through him more often. I think that now it's like okay, because before they had Audis Tony and Xavier Johnson. And they were really good scores, and you could have a balanced attack there. Now, next year, you're looking at Femi Otakali, Nike Sabande, and Justin Champagny. But Champenny being the star, they're going to find ways and create ways for him to get more points and get it. We get more chances to show this is what this guy brings to the table. And that might be something he says, hey, I can use that year. To boost my profile and get that first round pick. So I just I think that it would behoove him to make that decision to do that. We've seen Pitt players uh, jump into the draft. Steven Adams years ago did that and you know he took time to develop, but Steven Adams is also like 6'11 and you know has the build. Justin Champagne is 6'6, and he plays basically power forward for Pitt, but he's the size of an NBA small forward. So that's why I think he has to develop you know more offensive skills, and then we'll be talking about you know, NBA, but I just, I think, I think he still leans to staying with Pitt. He's just waiting to see what people say to him about uh, what he needs to improve. And then they'll make that announcement in you know, a few weeks or so, but losing champagne, would be huge for Pitt because they would need to immediately, they'd be back to kind of square one, as far as working with young guys and transfers, but having champagne back, he's a defined leader. He really stepped up at points this season. Um, and I think that having him as a, as a kind of, as kind of a leading point and the star on the team, might make it easier for everyone to kind of look to one person whereas last year you know Tony and Johnson they were both older guys than Champagne and they weren't as good and there was some questioning about who's the leader in that situation uh, Champenny being back only would help with uh, both leadership and performance next year for Jeff Cable
1: yeah his leadership is so evident when he's out there on the court well stick with us on halftime adjustments we are seeing what's going on at DK Pittsburgh Sports coming up after the break And welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. Chris, I know you guys have a whole lot going on at DKPittsburghSports.com right now. What are some of the things that you guys are working on? What should uh, some of the viewers really keep their eyes out for here?
0: Well, we got our new baseball rider, Gerard Gilberto. He'll team with Alex Stumpf. Uh, they've been covering spring baseball, you know, spring training, and now we're getting ready to get the season started. Of course, we've got our whole hockey team—Taylor, Dave, and Dayon—all covering the Penguins as they make this push to the playoffs. Uh, lots going on there, uh, but of course, we, you know, what we're—we're always having you covered on the NFL aspect. I'm writing a lot about the NFL draft and free agency. So is Dale. Uh, you know, we, you know, we're giving you the details on the Chase Claypool situation. Lots of really cool stuff coming up that could say, hey, this is where the future of a lot of these places, these a lot of these your favorite teams are going. So check us out. We got a lot of great things coming up, especially on the NFL draft in the next few weeks.
1: Well, we are definitely excited as the draft is just around the corner. Pretty hard to believe you guys do such fantastic work. It is such a Thank wonderful you. thing to be partnered with you guys. We love all the stuff that you do. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us, and thank you for joining us on Halftime Adjustments. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Enjoy the weather. Uh, Stay safe and healthy out there.